0: the all-star break is over pacers pistons tonight and with the all-star break over what are the three aka six biggest storylines to watch with the pacers the rest of the way will Fur's going gonna join us to break them all down today on the locked on pacers podcast
1: you are locked on pacers your daily indiana pacers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team
0: every day what up, y'all? Happy Thursday, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're done with the All star break. Pacers Hoops is back, taking on the Detroit Pistons tonight in Gamebridge the old house. We finally have real NBA basketball games to talk about again. And there's a lot to cover for the Pacers who are have had up and down results of late, to put it nicely, uh, and would like to recover with a tight playoff race coming for them in this final third of the season. Clean break is a good time to reflect and look ahead. And Will Fur is going to join us to do exactly that. We're going to talk about the biggest storylines to monitor for the Pacers down the stretch of the season, we each come up with three, which means there are six of these, even though it's going to say three in the title of the show. Most likely lots to talk about with the rotation, with roster spots, with defense, a lot of Pascal Siakam chat. It's all coming. Let's just get right to it. The season is back. No more talking about All-Star. The regular season returns. The Pacers haven't played in eight days. Remember, the Pacers, they're a basketball team in the NBA who are six in the Eastern Conference, and they play about a third of their season still. And a lot of people, including myself, are going to call this the air quotes halfway point. That's wrong, but either way, let's talk about the rest of the season and the biggest storylines to monitor for the Pacers the rest of the way. I have come up with three, and my guest today, a very frequent visitor here, former legend at Eight Points Nine seconds and contributor at the Fieldhouse, it's Will for Will, stop beating me in fantasy football. How are you? Are you ready for the last... Half air quotes of the Pacers season.
1: I keep offering you excellent trades and you just tell me you don't know who those players are. And I can't help you.
0: This is a thing that happens. This is a frequent problem for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm excellent, Tony. How are you doing, man?
0: I'm good. I finally have recharged from the event that was All-Star Weekend. I'm ready for games again. It's going to be very interesting going from an event where there's 500 media people interviewing every player. To Pacers Pistons, where there will be four of us, probably. <laughs> so that will be interesting. Um, in theory, a good, nice cushiony start for the Pacers who won't have Aaron Nesmith. And we'll be trying to work some stuff in. They finally got to do practice two days in a row, which is like unheard of during the season. Would you like to go first for your late season storylines, well or would you like me to go first? Oh, I'll go first. I don't want yes. you to steal okay. my good one. Good, good. Okay.
1: <laughs> um, my my biggest question, my number one. Uh, who starts next to Halliburton? Who starts next to Tyrese? Wow. I know it's been Aaron Nemhard for like the last wow. since Andrew Halliburton came back. And,
0: and, yes,
1: <laughs> Andrew Nemhard. Yes, if I could combine I Andrew we'll know who that is. and Aaron Nesmith that would be a great player right there. <laughs> would um, I know it's been Andrew Nemhard, and he was he was okay starting last year. Uh, but he just leaves a little to be desired for me. I don't know if he's that guy that is the the fifth piece because the four, obviously, we got ink. Who's our fifth?
0: Yeah, I've long thought of like, and I was even thinking about this earlier today, but not for the same reason you're asking the question of like, who is the ideal two guard next to to Tyrese Albert? You know, like, can I give you a name? Like KCP, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Like that is... You know, it's, it's close to, like, the guy, glue fit, and he'll be too old by the time he's available to, like, be the guy. But, you know, someone like that. And Andrew Emhart certainly has a role on this Pacers team. You need a more ball handlers. You need juiced up bench guys. He's good. He's shooting well since coming back from that in-season tournament injury. He's over 40% from three. I also looked at up today. Right? So, he's a good player. I think he – I am of the opinion that he should be the fifth starter. I said that after the Siakam trade. Because I like the defense he provides in that starting group, but if he's shooting better, there is value to having him with the bench. And I think the other question is, and I'm sure this is part of why you're asking this, is they said at the trade deadline they're thinking long-term. Well, a big long-term question for the Pacers is the fit of Ben Mather and Tyrese Halliburton together. So I would be curious if they would like to explore that in the Halliburton-Siakam world. Is that, is that part of your thinking? What else goes into this for you?
1: I, that is part of it. Yeah. And that, that touches on another thing that I was thinking about, you know, whether or not Matherin can bounce back. I know he was sick for a while and then I didn't even realize he had a knee injury. I thought he was just out with more illness. Um, I missed that designation specifically, but I I just think the lineup lacks uh, some dynamism with Nemhard, He's pretty thin. He's not. Gonna get to the rim, you know. He's he's got a great floater game. Uh, he's years ahead of his age with his his finishing in like that ten foot range, that seven, eight, nine area. But I, I think the Pacers need another dynamic, physical player there, and the player that Matherin can profile to be awesome. <laughs> <It'd> be <great. laughs> the player he's been this year, not sure.
0: Can I, can I pitch you two ideas? And it's really one idea yeah. with two other ways of doing it. Can I pitch you Aaron Neesmith at the two, Pascal Siakam at the three, and then one of McDermott Toppin at the four?
1: I had thought about almost the exact same thing, but Jalen Smith at the four.
0: Okay. Yeah, see, a lot, lot of ways to go with it. That's so huge. That is a massive group with Smith. Right? Yeah. So, so, so Toppin Smith is about rebounding, right? They've been crap on the boards of late. And then McDermott's just like, okay, you know, we're just gonna light Screw you it. up. The second, we're just gonna light you up the second the <laughs> game starts. Like, so I agree that there, I, I. So if I were in charge, if I'm Rick Carlisle, I am starting Andrew Nemhard the first game out of the break. But I am also open to. We have Doug McDermott now. We have Pascal Siakam. If I'm Rick, thinking about tinkering, even though I think that leaning as heavily into defense as they can is what they should be doing with the starting five. Even though I get the uh, other arguments. Certainly. Especially now that they're thinking long term again.
1: <laughs> right. Explains the uh the trade deadline flurry that they had.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I'll do I'll do a rotation one too for my and this one's kind of boring. I probably should do someone more interesting than this. Nah, never mind. Screw it. We're on the topic of the rotation. Let's do it. Can I can I pitch you what I think is an interesting potential battle coming? For the Pacers because we just saw it a little bit in Toronto, Matherin, out. He's sick and has a knee thing. And then Neesmith gets hurt mid-game. And Neesmith is going to miss at least this first game coming back. And then they have two days off, so that's good. Doug McDermott played and played pretty well in Toronto. They needed those threes that they got from him. He almost hit the 60-footer. Still missed some shots, but figuring it out. <laughs> and then Ben Shepard had the game of his life. Is there... Would you be willing to think, if you're the Pacers, hey, let's be open-minded about who our backup wing is between those two guys, because I think McDermott's going to get the spot. He's better right now, but I think there is a consideration if Shepard defends continually at this level to have him be the 10th guy in the rotation.
1: I know I I can tell that Rick has, has some real love for Shepard, which is weird. I know that his, a a lot of his coaching career is ignoring rookies. Uh, That's, that's been a trend in his past, I was not a shepherd. guy. I, he's he's real thin. I don't think he has necessarily the strength or quickness to guard wings, but every time I say something like that, he comes out and he you know bangs with <laughs> RJ Barrett <laughs> on the closing possession of a game. And I'm okay, sure. Uh, I would have pitched. I I want to see Walker. I, I want
0: also also an option. Yeah, uh, yes. D- I maybe I'm just too hesitant at this point. Like I keep watching Jarrett and the G His offense is way better than it was four months ago. I just don't think he's going to be able to guard. And maybe that's fine. They're willing to live with that. And if they're already thinking about doing a young guy instead of Doug McDermott, maybe you go with the lottery pick. Maybe that is the answer. I just think that they're in too tight of a seating race to me to do that. if they had any sort of playoff cushion, I think that would be much more of a discussion, but I don't know. I mean, at some point, if you were in the lottery last year, if you were the seventh worst team in the NBA last year, you know, there is some, well, let's maybe continue on the path we were on, even though clearly by trading for Siakam, they are on a different path than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that would be basically the risky play. Although I don't think you're going to get worse defense from him than McDermott. Uh, (laughs) Agreed. McDermott is obviously the highest level shooter on the team and fills the need that we, the Pacers lost when they traded Buddy. Like, I, I get that. Uh, Walker has been a surprisingly good shooter. I watch him shoot, and I don't think it's going to go in, and it does. So that's exciting development. <laughs> he He looks like he can play defense, and maybe I'm just getting mesmerized by that. But he's big, and he's burly, and he's quick. And I just think that's a dimension that the Pacers don't have outside of Siakam. And if you can get him to even be like a a C-level defender, just in understanding of defense, then his physical tools, his physical assets are going to let him do a lot of things that McDermott and Shepard just can't do. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think it is going to be Shepard when they need a little more ball handling, McDermott when they need a little more shooting, and I'm fine with that. That's the way it's going to play out.
0: You called him a sea level defender, and I wanted to make a global warming joke, but I I am restraining myself from a sea level <laughs> joke. <laughs> yeah, and the other so the other small part of this is again, if they had any wiggle room to explore this, maybe they should like. With Toppin's free agency and maybe Jalen Smith's free agency coming, like you'd like to have some idea that Jarris Walker can be your reserve next year, right? So, I, I and maybe they're happy with the G league progress and they already know, but that is certainly an aspect I I did not consider. here. But I think I think the most likely outcome, and I'm I think this is reasonable, is that just McDermott gets the tenth spot and that's fine, and maybe the play doesn't play. But for now, I am open to them thinking about the youth there. Hey guys, let's take a short little break to talk about LinkedIn Jobs because when you're hiring for your small business, you're going to find quality professionals that are right for the role and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools you need to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. If you can access all those professionals you can't find anywhere else, LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy. When you have that many quality candidates, so easy. In fact, that 86%, that's a lot of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. and That's why LinkedIn constantly find ways to make that process easier. They have new features to help you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Two and a half small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Yours could be next. Post your job for free. At linkedin.com/slash-lockdownnba, that's linkedin.com/slash-lockdownnba to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Number two, rest of season storyline from you, Wilfur. Yeah can can the Pacers avoid the play-in? On my the, list, that is on my list. Yeah, I have no doubt.
1: the The standings are a mess. the The Pacers are what? Uh, couple games. They're two and a half games out of fourth and a half game ahead of eighth.
0: It's crazy.
1: <laughs> so, and oh, keep going. Sorry. I just looking at the teams in, in that list, you know, number four is the Knicks. They're dealing with Robinson, Randall. OG are all hurt. The Sixers are missing Embiid. bead. Uh, the heat. Don't care about the regular season. They're number seven, right behind the Pacers. <laughs> uh, I also know that Rozier is hurt. I don't know how much that matters for them. Uh, just, he hadn't really had a chance to establish himself. And then the magic or the magic, they're an eighth, but they're also seven and three in their last 10. Um, so you could look at it and say, well, the, the Pacers, you know, kind of took their lumps when Tyrese was out and they, they played much better without Halliburton than they did last year. Certainly. Uh, then I think they went like one in 12 last year without him. They did considerably better than that this year. Uh, Maybe it's the time for the Pacers to be healthy and kind of make a little run. But it is it is such a jumbled mess right there. And I could not tell you if you forced me whether the Pacers are better or worse than almost any of those teams. I would say they're worse than the Heat. I feel pretty confident about that.
0: Yeah, it's so it's tricky. Okay, a lot of dynamics here. The healthy Knicks. Are one of the best four teams oh. of the East to me. They are awesome. I'm I'm uh,
1: terrified of the healthy Knicks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh I was thinking today, I was listening to someone else's podcast talking about the Knicks, and I was like, man, it would not be unreasonable to me at all if the if the freaking Knicks were in the conference finals this year. Like they're that good. Um, but the, we got injury reports today, finally, after eight days away. OG Ananobi still out. They played the Sixers fittingly. One of them will lose tomorrow. Uh OG Ananobi still out. Julius Randle's still out. His shoulder is bad. Uh, and Mitchell Robinson still out. So yeah, Jalen Brunson's awesome and they're healthier than when they played the Pacers in that game before the break, but like they've got to hold on. And the Sixers without Embiid are a miracle winning Cleveland away from being two and eight in their last 10 games. So on one hand, I'm like, Oh, the Pacers play reasonably well for the next three weeks. They're going to be right to think of it with, with the fourth and fifth seed. On the other hand, I'm like, well, The Heat are playing good again, (laughs) right? And Bam looks great. And they added Terry Rozier. And I would never will bet against the the Heat ever or Expostra. And the Magic are rounding into form after missing Franz Wagner for a while. And they didn't add a guard. So I don't know that they can have a ton of upward trajectory. But they're good. They're a good young team. They're going to be hard to hold off too. And pointedly, for tiebreaker reasons, they have kicked the Pacers behind (laughs) twice this season. So I think... The odds, to me, kind of level out on the top and low ends, but they're only a half game ahead. Like, if the Magic and Heat had an extra game before the Pacers played again after the break, they could be tied for eighth, right? So it's like they have no margin for error. So that is, of course, the biggest storyline, like, for them away. Like, every night, they're going to be checking the scores beyond their own to see what goes on, right? So that's huge and matters a great deal. And I think that there's no way they'll fall to ninth. So they'll have, I talked about this yesterday, pretend every playing game is a 50-50 chance. I don't think that's exactly the case, but close enough. You have a three and four chance to make it through the plan. That's not like a guarantee, but it's good odds. But if you can avoid that and have a 100% chance of playing a playoff game, you'd certainly prefer that. So that is, of course, a big deal.
1: You also get to avoid the Celtics in that scenario, which yeah. would be great. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I, uh... here's a stupid question I was thinking about, Will. Would you be willing to, if you are, S- the mat. If you're the master of all the seeds, you get to decide, and you're the and you're the Pacers, and you're picking. Let's pretend the Bucks finish second. Would you be willing to risk the play in to try to get seven because that's the- probably the team you feel the best against? If you're the Pacers of the top teams of these, maybe Cleveland, but I think they'd feel pretty good against the team they beat four times.
1: I I want the Pacers to play the Bucks, yeah, I- especially <laughs> after Dame over All Star Weekend. Taking an MVP from Halliburton. Come on. Uh,
0: uh, I, uh, I want the Bucks. It'd be the perfect series. It'd be awesome.
1: But I don't. I don't think a young team with not a lot of playoff experience just throughout the roster could ever be like, yeah, it's fine. We'll tank this last game <laughs> so we get into the 7-8 play-in. Against the Goga Batadze led magic. <laughs> I, uh, I I yeah, don't think fair. there's enough veteran experience to uh to sell that plan.
0: <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that that's like that's like believing very heavily in your ability to be a team, but I want to float it. Uh okay, I have the standings as one of mine. So I will do a small one that maybe isn't that important or consequential, but I think is important because I'm a nerd, and I think about the salary cap too much. They have an open roster spot. What are they thinking about with that thing? Because there's not like a great use for it, right? You saw if you were paying attention to just Twitter feed on Wednesday, and for those of you that didn't, congratulations for having a life. I'm very happy that I didn't have to care about Justin <laughs> Jackson ten days on Wednesday. But like the timing of you know the twenty first, twenty second, twentieth, whatever, especially the leap day is. That 10-day will run out right when the buyout market fully materializes in early March. And on March 1st, every player is available for 5 p.m. is playoff eligible for other teams. And maybe that's what the Pacers are waiting for, right? They're over the cap, they can, they, but they have their room exceptions. they can sign someone to, a, like, they have enough money to outbid other teams, in theory, on the buyout market. But they have literally no minutes to offer because no bought-out player is good enough that they'd be better than any of the Pacers' top 10 right now to me so can i can i just throw some names at you and you tell me would you play this player i mean the the 10th guy on the pacers is like one of top and mcconnell mcdermott whatever it's probably doug mcdermott do any of these players are they better than doug mcdermott are you ready yeah i'm ready daniel house in some (laughs) matchups yeah most no but like sure he'd probably be their second best defensive end okay chetty osman (laughs) <laughs> Forgot he existed? No. No. Okay. Did, didn't know the Spurs cut him. He didn't get cut. No. He did. I'm saying these are guys that could be bought out. Makes sense to me. Most of the, Gotcha. Most of gotcha. Out. And then the last one is Davish Bertans. Uh, probably extremely likely he would get bought out because he has some guaranteed money next year. But if, I'd still say no. Right? Agreed? No. not Not over McDermott. I agree. So the top end of the buyout market might be like, daniel house right i don't even know if the pistons buy him out they might just keep it so to me their their buyout market plan is confusing because you'd like to have more depth like you'd like to hit the postseason and say well if we get hurt in the front court we have this guy we can play that's great or something but maybe you just want a vet who can play if needed but shouldn't most nights right they had george hill last year in that almost exact role even though they weren't necessarily chasing the class so the names for that list would be, tell me if any of these are interesting to you And a guaranteed contract, okay. but does not play a minute for the Pacers role. I'll say it first. You're welcome. Listeners. You get to pump your fist in the car. Lance Stevenson <laughs> potentially uh, would not play, but you know, 15th guy. I'm, I'm going to get crucified
1: for this, but I'm good. No, thanks.
0: <laughs> um, Jermichael green. Not good enough. Uh, sure. <laughs> your pause said a lot. Uh, Stanley Johnson. I don't need to read you all the names and let you react to all of them. I'll just read the entire list of names I I (laughs) typed.
1: I'm going to tell you, I love Stanley Johnson. I have have a thing for him. Bring him in. Give him a chance, man.
0: Okay. Well, the other names I typed down were George Hill, uh, Juan Toscano Anderson, TJ Warren, and Danny Green. So, like, those guys would be what I think makes the most logical sense of what a player would want and what the Pacers want of, like, if we're absolutely screwed and we have to play this guy, it's not the end of the world. And we can give them money, but they they would understand that they're not in our rotation, right? So that seems like the medium for what makes sense because the actually like useful ish, you know, Thad Young immediately going to the Suns, Spencer Dinwiddie level buyout guys, it's over. They're done. They're gonna go somewhere where they can play or they're getting paid the most. So, right. I don't know what they're gonna do with that spot. Maybe they do a ten day tomorrow after I put this out and I sound stupid, but I kind of think they'll just do some if they if they're going to fill it, which they don't have to do. Something like that makes the most sense to me. Kind of inconsequential. In fact, if it becomes consequential, that probably means something bad happened <laughs> for the Pacers. But yeah. uh, still something noteworthy as they try to finish their team. we well, are break here, y'all, so we can talk about the lovely folks over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers on FanDuel get get $150. That's a lot in bonus bets with any winning bet. That's right, $150 if your $5 bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with exclusive props on just FanDuel, plus live same-game parlays, quick bets, and plenty more all over on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot with an offer like that. Again, any winning $5 bet, you get $150 in bonus bets on FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. All right, give me your last one for... The rest of the season, storyline wise. Yeah, let's see. I'm ready to go now. If you want me to go, no, I'm good. Um, is is Siakam shooting for real? Oh, is I had a forty percent from deep. I mean, he he's never been this open, right? His whole career. I he was he was pretty open
1: when he played with Kawhi. I, I have was, a feeling Kawhi That's Leonard's true. pretty good at basketball. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, especially that season. Um, so I have wondered that myself. My Siakam question is: Is his defense really this level? And I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean that in a negative way. He has not defended very well since coming to the. You,
1: you know my feelings.
0: (laughs) I do, I do. (laughs) We damned about this today. The trade. So it's been funny because it balances. It's balanced out so far that he's made up for being less than I thought defensively by making a bunch of threes. He's been great from the corners, right? So if the shooting's real and the defense isn't as good as I thought, maybe you're okay with that if you're the Pacers. But <laughs> maybe you'd like those two stabilize a bit in a more known commodity kind of way. I don't know. If he can shoot, that's a huge deal, obviously. That's why you're asking the question.
1: Right. And he's only taking three a game with the Pacers. That's that's not enough to matter. You know, yeah. Capital letters matter but if he's going to hit 40% for the Pacers maybe you can get that up to four or five if yeah. he's if it's a product of i am open i'm not used to being open so i am getting better shots and that's the process behind the percentage bump he he could really help if he's you know 36% on
0: five attempts um Closing out on him is hard because he's fast, right? Like this has been talked about for like people when Ben Simmons was good, which was the thing, believe it or not, that happened in the NBA. Like when he would catch it on the perimeter, you can't just run out to him and get all up in his face because he can't shoot because he's so fast that the step before he's actually done, you're done closing out. He just dribbles right past you, right? So like, even if Siakam is just an average shooter, because guys have to like chop their feet perfectly to not get dusted by him the second he fakes a shot and drives, He's, it's still important for him to take those three or four a game, even if it's not providing a ton of spacing. So if he's making them, that's that's huge. That's absolutely huge for the Pacers. And then their whole starting five is just like average or better shooters with Tyrese Halbert, and that's like the dream, right? So I don't, I don't, I don't know that I buy this 40 plus percent he's at right now. But I think it's possible in this ecosystem he could hit that number you just said, 36, 37 ish.
1: That that would be fantastic.
0: Would also Defense be nice would be great too. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say
0: that. It'd also be nice if his defensive level was higher than it feels like it has been so far, and maybe that's new scheme. Maybe I was just wrong, but yeah, it, just, it has not felt as impactful with this team. And I think his biggest defensive impact has honestly been twofold. One is that he's just six foot nine, and that's great. They don't have anybody else that size, but two. Aaron Neesmith's life on defense is way easier. He's guarding threes oh, instead of yeah. fours. And Miles Turner doesn't have to cross-match anymore. So, like, yes, Yakum getting better on defense would be awesome. Fantastic even. But he's still helping, right? It's not, like, the end of the world yet. We'll see.
1: Yeah. The the, the Pacers are getting killed by scoring fours. Still. still. Always. Yep. Just my whole lifetime. That's, that's <laughs> the way it works. But – I, I do agree that he makes the defense better just by existing. He's athletic. He's tall. He's smart.
0: Let me poo poo our. He makes the defense better. Take right away by giving you my last storyline for the rest of the season. <laughs> are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Can the Pacers find the magic on defense again, which I phrase it as that because let's do some splits. Let's do some arbitrary random cutoffs just for funsies. The last 15 games, you know, I picked 15. There are two reasons. One is, That is the exact number of games Pascal Siakam has played with the Pacers, 15. Two is, it is the farthest back NBA.com to go when going back individual game numbers. That's convenient. Yes, it is very convenient that those are the same number. Last 15 games for the Pacers, Will, what do you think they rank in defensive rating? Oh,
1: no. This is going to (laughs) be bad, isn't it? I'm going to say twenty fourth.
0: 26th, 118.2 defensive rating. The four teams below them are this morass of 120 awfulness. They are the worst team of, like, the serious teams. Okay, bad. That's all of outcomes games with the Pacers. They played good teams in that stretch. Like, their schedule was hard, but that's awful. It doesn't matter what your schedule is when you are in the bottom five. Would you like to know their defensive rating in the 15 games prior to that? I know it was much better because they were doing
1: great with uh, yeah. Jalen Smith and Miles Turner starting next to they each other. Were. I know that was a lot of the consensus for the trade is, oh, we get a power forward. We've seen. <laughs> this is proof of concept.
0: So the 15 games before that, and if you want, you can use 16. And I only say that because if you use 16, you get to that Charlotte game on December 20th, which was the first game after they had that. I've talked about this too much, but that crazy intense practice where they really ironed out some defensive stuff. The 15 games prior to Siakam, their defensive rating rank was 18th, 116.7. That's not awesome. That's with Tyrese Halbert running your offense good enough to win a lot of games. If you add that 16th game in, they played the Hornets, but they've lost the Hornets twice. So I guess they get some credit a little. Um, it goes to 116.6, and it gets to 16th, and it's 0.2 away from league average defense for 16 games. And that sounds like I'm hooraying a below average number, but given their offense, that's awesome. And you know what they went in those 16 yeah. games? Well, 11 and 5. 11 and 5. Caitlin said it perfectly so early in the season. They don't have to be good on defense. They don't even have to be average. They just have to be bad, and they've been terrible. Can they find that magic again where they're just bad or mediocre on the defensive end? Or is that a symptom of that one practice and that starting lineup change? That, to me, could be the biggest storyline because they cannot win a playoff series if they're one of the worst five defenses in the league. They have got to get back to being a little more threatening on that end.
1: I do. I'm I'm going to... Uh contradict my some of the discussion we've had for a long time. I had major concerns about Siakam's defense falling off when the Pacers traded for him. I had discussions with a lot of Pacers fans in my life about it. Got lambasted by a lot of the Pacers fans in my (laughs) life about it. I do think those numbers aren't quite worth taking on their own yet. Uh, Halliburton wasn't in the lineup for a lot of that. And I know the initial knee-jerk response is, well, he's not a great defender that probably helped. But when your offense stinks, when the guy who makes the entire engine run is out, uh, that's, that's going to make the defense worse. You're not playing set defense as often, whether it's missed shots or turnovers, the other teams are getting transition and they're getting cross matches and they're, they're getting to face the defense before the defense is ready. Um, So I, I don't know. I had, I don't have the, mathematical uh brain to to break down all the plays and say, oh no, actually it didn't matter, or <laughs> yes, that's the whole difference. Um, but I know that on on a general sense that does matter. And I think the yeah. defense will get better, especially if they settle on Andrew Nemhard. I'll get the name right this time <laughs> at the two. Uh because that's that's what he does. He's a good defender. As long as he's not trying to defend like Jalen Brown. He's he's awesome. Don't put them on somebody who's
0: (laughs) 6'8". In that 15-game stretch that I'm referring to, they played at Phoenix versus Denver versus Philly, and Embiid played in that game, versus Phoenix again at Boston, at New York twice, versus Sacramento, and versus Golden State. So, like, that's pretty freaking hard for a hobbly team in terms of opponents. Now, granted, they also played at Charlotte and lost, and they played at Toronto and gave up an F-ton of points. And you know, played Memphis, who that should be easy to control, and Houston, like, there were some games that should be enough of a buffer to not be twenty sixth, but I would expect their defense to be bad in a stretch like that. So, I think that's going to be the thing for me, because I have zero doubt if Tyrese Halliburton and Siakam are playing, they're going to be a top pick-your-single-digit-number offense. I would say five, probably. Can they defend well enough to make that an awesome advantage, or is it just going to be this wobbly mess of outscoring your opponents and winning in Toronto 127 and 125, or is it going to be a game that they win? Com- Did they win any games, like, really comfortably since? uh They beat Philly pretty handily. Um, They beat Houston pretty – yeah, it was kind of eh. – they were bad in the first half of that game. Yeah, they haven't had any, like, yes, awesome wire <laughs> wins in this stretch either. So defense key to me. I don't have anything – I have a lot of other stuff I had, but none of them I have – a lot of deep dives for him. So unless you have anything you want to really dig into. No, no, that took care of all my questions. The only
1: one that I had, the only spare I had remaining was, will they ever stop a power forward from scoring? And
0: <laughs> we know the answers. We know the answers. These <laughs> The only thing we didn't really touch on of mine was, can the bench recover? Cause that's been a weird subplot of these of late is like their bench is really kind of falling apart. And some of that's Matherin being hurt. And some of that's, Losing Buddy and some of that's Jalen Smith being hurt. And maybe all that corrects itself very soon out of the break. But having a bad bench in games where Halliburton and Siakam look great has cost them at least three wins in the last couple weeks. Well, this was great. It's a big stretch coming up. And we'll be covering all these topics many a times down the stretch. I I don't know when I get to start doing standings, watch. But it's getting close, given how tight this race is for fourth through weight in the East. Where can people find you and your musings on the Indiana Pacers and where you thankfully don't tweet about how bad you beat me in fantasy football ever, because (laughs) I'm currently uh, air quotes rebuilding and will was chasing a title this year. Uh, You can find me
1: on Twitter at will for NBA. That'll be mostly my basketball thoughts. I will not tweet about Tony and I's matchups or if I do, (laughs) I'll make sure to block him from the tweet.
0: (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. the, The, So here's the thing for everybody who who doesn't know why I'm clowning myself in fantasy football. I usually don't know who a player is in football until they become good. Like I can see their stats or I hear their name somewhere else. So that's bad in dynasty football because you need to have those players before they get good. So it is very tricky for me to make trades or figure out what the heck I'm doing. And the secondary problem of that is as a currently rebuilding team who got lucky and won the first year when it was basically a redraft league is I have a lot of picks and I have no freaking idea who anybody I'm picking is. So uh, a lot of people are waxing the floor with me and taking my money, but I am having a good time. So I think they're happy to take my money as long as it's not ruining the league and rant. (laughs) So folks,
1: give Tony your worst (laughs) dynasty draft advice.
0: Oh man, the lottery coming up for me. I'm, uh, I'm freaking out a little, even though it's not. Of major consequence. We were one QB league, so getting the first yeah, pick would be not a big deal. Nice. Pretty nice, but not huge. Well, this was great, everybody. Oh, I should have asked you this actually. Well, we're not done yet. Do you have any thoughts about the Pistons tonight? <laughs> they do play a game tonight. I always like to bring up the opponent.
1: I I think the Pacers will be better for Isaiah Stewart probably not playing. I think that's <laughs> probably helpful, uh, given that yes. I don't know if Jalen Smith's going to play either. I saw he's questionable with the, his back, so we'll, we'll probably be short some bigs against the team with 15 bigs. Uh, I if they don't handle the Pistons, that's that's a problem. But
0: as is, Stewart's questionable. Maybe he will play. Maybe he will be a king disruptor. But we'll see. Um, the thing that would be alarming to me as the Pacers is that. The Pistons are great on the glass, and the Pacers are not very good on the glass. So per possession, I think the Pacers will be the better team. Can they string together enough possessions and win that game? That will be it to me. This was awesome, as I said. Now I can put Pistons in the title. If I want to, I probably won't, though. We will see. (laughs) They aren't a joke anymore. They're one win away from not having the worst record in the league, even though, yes, obviously they still suck. And if the Pacers lose at home, it would be an epic disaster. And we'll be back tomorrow talking about whatever happened in that game as the Pacers come back from the break. Will, thank you very much for the time. Everybody, have a wonderful rest of your day. We will see you soon.